Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming up on today's episode, we break down the Jets' OT win over the Habs, plus what's next after Vili Hainala's agent speaks out. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. Ole, 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 ole. That's, you know, I, it sucks. It, it's an awful chance to hear when it's going against you, but the, I love when any team beats Montreal and you get to throw the Olays right back at them. But why, why don't we go into the weekend with a little bit of style there, thanks to KFC. The Winnipeg Jets open up a uh, crucial four-game stretch here before American Thanksgiving with a big OT victory over the Canadian. We'll break it all down here. First off... Uh, a hi to CJOB's Tyson Rowicki joining us once again. Tice, you uh you a fan of the Ole Ole chants? What, what what's what's your take on that? Love them. Uh, it's such a simple chance. I don't I don't I'm even know what it back at them, right? I don't even know what Ole means, but I just I just love it so much. Isn't it just go? Probably. <laughs> Probably. Right? <laughs> I have no idea. I, I you're talking to a guy who Took eight years of French in elementary school and probably retained just the colors. Yeah, the <laughs> yeah that's good. It's it, you know I always thought it was Spanish. It turns out it is Spanish, so it doesn't even make sense. I, we, we're probably missing some very important context. So maybe, maybe I, I don't want to sound too stupid and say it's Spanish. The point is, you throw it back at the Habs fans when they're losing. They lost this one. They deserve to lose, so we can have a little bit of fun with them there. Uh, Montreal kind of looked the part of a cellar dweller. Uh, you know, I mean, Suzuki had a hell of a play on that that first goal for Montreal. But other than that, you know, him and Caulfield and, you know, flashes from some of the other guys on the team. Not a whole lot to get excited about uh, Montreal's chances at being competitive this season. But fortunately for the Jets, they played their role in that, where they, I don't, I don't want to say dominated, but certainly carried the pace of play against Montreal. It was nowhere near what we saw out there on the road trip, specifically against L.A. and Vegas. And I thought to myself, if the Jets lost this game, it might be maybe karmic retribution for how they played and got the win against the Kings. 
in that they played pretty strongly against Montreal and, and might have ended up getting the loss. They didn't. A well-deserved goal in OT there. But, you know, all in all, I think a, a, a pretty impressive performance from the team. At the very least, it was much closer to the St. Louis game from a few days ago as opposed to some of the debacles that we saw over the weekend on the road. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. With I mean, we talked about it last episode, too, where we're like, this is these are the games that the Jets are supposed to win. And they came out and just gave out a really good effort against a team that they should beat. And they handled them pretty handily. There's some, there's, I mean, there's always going to be takeaways in a game. The power play struggled a bit. The, the zone exits still aren't where they need to be. And I think we'll touch on that a little bit later when we talk about a, a certain someone who with a certain oh, agent, yeah, yeah. a certain thing. But hey, hey, keep some of the, keep some of the ammo in the chamber, Tays. But yeah, I I love the game that the Jets played today. They they controlled play. They didn't give up too much. I really like their neutral zone play, not letting the tabs get started in the in the neutral zone. So honestly, can't hate on the Jets' performance this this today. Yeah, you know it's 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 funny because we were talking about this before it was like kind of a boring game and in all honesty the most exciting thing that happened today was something that didn't even take place with the nhl club it was <laughs> comments that we got to get to down there in the ahl I, I always wanted to open the show with that one but we got a game to break down first but again with the jets some sometimes it's okay to have a boring borderline dominant performance because this team has their fair share of woes inside their own half of the ice so being you know, professionally strong and taking care of the opposition. And this one, you know, sometimes boring isn't the worst thing in the world for this club. Uh, I mean, for me, two big positives stood out. The most obvious one being, I mean, the, the final play of the game. And and finally, you know, the monkey off the back, the, the bucket off the shelf, KFC, the colonel, does declare that his goal-scoring slump is officially a thing of the past. I mean, you know, it's. I, I was asked about this on, on Winnipeg Sports Talk earlier on, on Thursday. Is there any concern about Connor's scoring slump to start the year? I, I said literally zero concern. This is what goal scorers do throughout the course of seasons. Austin Matthews last year had, what, a goal through six games or whatever it was. To start the year, he ends up with 60-plus. It, it, it just happens. It's more of a talking point because we don't have as many games to look back on right? If this happens in games 52 to 58, nobody says lick, right? But because it's the start of the year, it's a bit of a talking point. But the chances have been there for, for KFC all season long. He just, you know, hasn't gotten any luck to go his way so far. And, and it's funny, too, because specifically that there were a chance in the second and the third period. The third period one was the big one, all alone in front of Montembeau, a below average, maybe AHL level goalie. And it's like, Bar down, game over. This is where Kyle Connor ends it here. And he kind of flubs it. And you're like, oh, maybe he won't score again. <laughs> like, what's there, there's obviously a bit of a confidence issue that he gets the puck at OT and we can laugh about it. There's no worries. He's going to be just fine moving forward, right? There, like, no more concern. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And even this whole game, you could see him that he was really pressing. You could, you could feel, especially in that overtime period, you could feel that he was really working his way towards finding the back of the net there. And like he's, I mean, Matt Montembeau, like you said, he's a, 
AHL goalie. He played not bad today, though. He like he made some made some got some he got really lucky on a couple of saves with the with the knob of his stick. Shafley almost blew him into the into the second row. But but yeah, like he made he made a lot of big saves in that game. But it's it's nice to see him finally pot one. I think we really start to see the floodgates open with Cal Connor because he's been putting himself in some really good positions to get to those high danger scoring chances. And I think now that they're going to start to just flow in for that line. He was the league leader going into this game for expected goals below average. Like he, he's been expected to score, I think, four more goals than he actually has so far. So he hasn't gotten any breaks. It was just, it was bound to come. The main thing with goal scorers, and it's always this, is are, are you getting your chances, right? Like, are, are you shooting? Are, are pucks getting on net? Are you in the right spots? Are chances flowing? They have been for him all season long. It was just a matter of time. Interestingly, you know, the one thing I do have some concerns about, not so much about Connor, you talked on the power play struggling. Uh, one goal on, I believe, five, six. I mean, they were one for five after 40 minutes. Um, not, I mean, not really, not really smooth with the first unit. The second unit, I thought Cole Perfetti in particular was able to uh, set up a couple really glorious chances for the man advantage there. Uh, you know, I might feel a little bit better about how they're playing right now. But the first unit may be a little too dependent and telegraphic with we're setting up Kyle Connor for the one-timer and away we go. It, 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 like, Ovi can do that, and that's probably it But with and, and because he's superhuman. But any other high-end goal scorer, if you telegraph and you're so deliberate with what you're trying to do, you know, most teams are going to be able to find a way to either block the shot or the goal he's going to get over there in time to uh to make the save so that, that's just kind of the one thing with connor in his in his chase for 40 plus again is going to be with the power play can they be a little more deceptive in terms of of setting things up and trying to get him better looks out there on the uh, top of the circle um the so connor was the i mean kind of the, the obvious takeaway in this one but to me and, and maybe the more important one moving forward for the jets is we finally got to see power forward pld in action here i mean that 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 was a, a vintage performance i mean going back to last year but it was a 2021 performance from from dubois in this one i i mean i thought he was a force all night long maybe the jets best forward in this one i mean the goal itself is is kind of a, a great example of that where it's like screw this let's just walk into the slot and rip one <laughs> like enough with the passing let's just shoot the puck hard and see what happens and he ends up scoring there but it was a few net drives where it's just look, remember that you're six foot three, 220, and you're just as fast as anybody out there, and use that to your advantage. Like it's just a little more meat and potatoes instead of a, a five star Michelin dish. I, I think I think that did Dubois well here. Um, coincidence at all? It happened against Montreal? Probably, probably just a coincidence, but it happened against Montreal nonetheless. But I, I, I love PLD's game. Let's let's see more of that over the next. Uh, couple of dozen of games for the Jets yeah 100 percent. and even you know with PLD's style of play and the and with his two wingers those two guys aren't going to be the kind of guys who are going to be driving the net jostling in front of the net for those pucks loose and so yeah to see PLD really really bring the play towards the net himself is a really good sight to see for the Jets and I think it's going to be a good thing moving forward and I, and I also love Cole Perfetti's play today too I thought he played a very good game as well yeah and and with Dubois it, it's it's kind of easy to forget this with goal scorers, but you know, on the power play last year and even five on five, the majority of his goals came 
two feet from the net, right? Like it's not, he, he, you know, on pace for 30 ish in that range. It's not like he's, you know, he did it last night, but he's not ripping bar in shots from the top of the circle off the rush every time, right? Like it's kind of greasy, ugly goals. And uh, maybe, maybe it's just say, hey, this could be a reminder or a fresher to him that let's, let's get things done in and around the blue paint there. You can make a lot of money scoring a lot of ugly goals, right? It, it doesn't, you don't have to be highlight real McDavid all the time. If you get 35, hey, look at David Clarkson. Yeah, I don't think he ever left the crease and he made himself 40 million, right? So if you're Pierre-Luc Dubois, just, you know, keep it a little more simpler. And I think I think his game of the Jets will uh, start to trend in the right direction there. So that was great to see. Um, another minor positive for me, I don't know if anything else stood out to you, Tice, but I think Dylan Sandberg is continuing this slow upwards trajectory here. You know, had that really, really rough first period against L.A., rough start to the year. Since then, though, I think it's been a steady climb upward. He made a great play, some 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 great vision on the uh, the Wheeler goal, which was an awful challenge by Martin St. Louis, by the way. But great vision there to, you know, kind of hold on to the puck a little bit, throw it cross-ice to Pierre-Luc Dubois, and then Wheeler bangs one in there. But I, I think he's been really really solid and again i wouldn't mind seeing him get more responsibility thrown on his shoulders as the game start to pile along here hit the nail on the head on that one but yeah and that sandberg's just been like you said just steadily climbing up the ranks on this decor and even that that penalty that they gave him on the i believe it i didn't third, think it was a penalty yeah no he got the puck first that's not that's not a penalty and but you could tell that the refs were definitely looking for something to call in the jets after kind of a second period full of power plays for the Jets. But yeah, Dylan Sandberg, he's a guy that's going to need, that's going to continue to build on his play. And I think he's going to be a big piece for the Jets moving forward. So pretty much all positives for the Jets in this one. The the lone negative for me, and I mean, we, we talked about it in our last episode, going back to the Vegas game, but Neil Pionk is a little too chaotic for me right now. There's there's a little, it's kind of happening at both ends of the ice. We're, we're seeing the offensive output that he had a few seasons ago, but we're also seeing the poor defensive play that we saw out of him last season. I mean, he almost gift wrapped, what was it, Suzuki on, on the power play. He just kind of like skates into the net. But yeah. I, I'm I, I'm not loving the the Pionk Morrissey top pairing right now. Again, they were near the bottom of the uh, the shot charts in terms of uh, chances given up for the Jets against Montreal. And you know, I I just think he's being asked to do a little bit too much. And that's again the problem with this blue line. Tice is, I think Morrissey can acquit himself well on a top pair. I just I don't know if they have a guy that can play with them right now. I mean, I think Neil Pionk is best suited for a second pair. I think Dylan DeMello is best suited for a second or a third pair. It, it, that 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 kind of applies to the rest of the defensemen on this roster, but there's nobody that Rick Bonus can kind of lean on right now and say, this is the guy I know I could put beside Josh Morrissey. And it's just it's been a rough, it's been a rough stretch. It's been a rough week and a half for Neil Pionk, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And like that, like that turnover in the third. I don't know what he was doing. He skated, just skated into the net. <laughs> he he just yeah. like right into the net, and that could have been if that that would have negated all the good that the Jets did in that game just with that one turnover. Luckily, Hellebuck made a good play. There was some luck involved there too. But yeah, I mean, it wouldn't have been nice to see the Jets go after a guy like Mackenzie Weger in the offseason, the staple on that top pair with Josh Morrissey. I think that would be a really nice top pair and really vault the Jets into one of the upper echelon there for playoff teams in the West. 
Yeah, that would be good. Yeah, McKin- <laughs> yeah, I I can get down with a McKenzie Weger. I think even at, look, I, I I've said it for a while. I think even Jacob Chikrin. Like I'm willing to take roll the dice. I don't know if he's a top pair guy. Like I know he's played that role for Arizona. He had the one good shortened season. But I'm I'm just willing to be aggressive here because this 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 blue line, I think it can be all right. I think it could be good, but it's it's never gonna be great with the personnel that they have right now. And I, I think it's time to take a a bit of a swing if you're if you're Kevin Chevalet off, roll the dice, see what happens. If a guy like Chikrin's available. Maybe he blossoms and he's that top pair guy that you've been looking for, for for quite some time. So something to keep an eye on here. If there's continued struggles with Neil Pionk alongside Josh Morris. Yeah, I wonder what Rick Bonus does there because he doesn't really have a whole lot of other options with, with the way that this blue line is situated right now. Um, one thing I do want to touch on quickly. I've just always had a man crush on this guy. And it's funny because I think I think every hockey fan, this is something that I probably have just made up. But I think every hockey fan has a third liner that they think could be a first liner if 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 he was given the opportunity and then played with like a couple high end guys. You, you like you kind of get what I'm talking about. He's never going to be like a, a point of game guy, but it's like you put him up there and he's going to be good. Joel Armia is that guy for me. Like I, I just I love his game so much. I think I mean he's so good with the puck on his. He's got such good skills. And, Blows my mind that he's not a 50, 60 point guy regularly, but he's a standout defensive player as well. I mean, hands wise, he's as quick as anybody in terms of stick. Like he, I don't know. I, I just think he'd be, to, to me, he would be a perfect winger to pair with a guy like Kyle Connor, where you can like outweigh his defensive deficiencies with someone like Joel Armia. I don't know. Do you have a guy that like that, Tice? Maybe not Armia, but somebody where you're like, just give this dude a chance and he's going to help you out. I, I do like Joel Armia, and I agree with you. He's got some of the silkiest mitts in the NHL. I'm just trying, I'm trying to go through the teams here and just thinking. Uh, you know, I mean, he's kind of getting a chance now in Ottawa, but Shane Pinto, he started off on the third line with the Josh Norris injury. He got moved up, but I love Shane Pinto's game. I think he's going to be Pinto. a really good player. But I And it's kind of early to pin him that he's just a third liner who deserves a chance on the first line but i i almost do kind of see him in that role as a as he as his career kind of blossoms i think he's more suited in that middle six role but he could also excel playing with players that fit his skill set as well but yeah shane pinto from ottawa i'm looking forward to watching him play in the coming years interesting choice all right i can get down with that well, that'll be uh the end of the recap for the jets victory against the habs they'll look to make it Another back-to-back win at home Saturday afternoon against Chicago. So we'll take a look at that one a little bit later on. Break down that game coming up next week. But we do have some explosive comments from Jets Nation as one of the highly touted prospects has started to make waves. What's going to happen? Another trade request. Please don't make it happen. We'll get to all of that in just a sec. But before we do that, let's give a quick shout out to our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. And that big time deal to get you big time dough is still on tap for you to take advantage of. If you want to make a couple of bucks before you go out for the weekend, maybe you want to sprinkle a little dough on the Jets taking care of business Saturday afternoon at home against Chicago. Finding a way to pot a cup, maybe maybe a half dozen against Peter Morazic. That might be a way for you to grab some extra bucks. And you can maybe throw in a couple of extra bets, small bets, 
and turn those into bigger payouts with same-game parlays as well. And a reminder that DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want, especially after you get a couple hundy with the newest promotion from DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game and get $200 in free bets if they do. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for more details. So, a bit of a bomb dropped by the agent of Vili Hainala before puck drop. Thursday night against Montreal for the Jets. Can't say I'm all that surprised, to be honest. If anything, I'm surprised it took this long for the kid, in a way, to finally come out and say that, yeah, you know what? Not down with uh, what's going on here, and I think it's time for me to get a bit of a chance. But if you haven't seen it yet, Philly Hainala's agent, Alain Waugh, had this to say. I can't even say when asked. He just went out and made these comments, I believe, to... um, to the hockey news about his client's opportunity so far, not getting a shot with the big club. And I'll paraphrase, but I'll kind of go through some of the main points here. And, and this was really the big one. I think everybody in hockey that has seen him play realizes he's now at that point where he has made an NHL regular expendable. Billy Hanela, of course. And now that's interesting because that might be the first time I've ever heard an agent demand a trade of somebody else on the team, but not his client. It's, it, so it's not a trade request by Billy Hadela. It's a request for somebody else to be traded. So he, so it's not it's not the Lion A Truba situation. We have to worry. He doesn't want out of Winnipeg. He wants into Winnipeg just at the expense of somebody else. Um, but Billy Hadela, of course, before the move season got underway, said, I've been in the same spot for a couple of years now, so it's definitely not fun, but kind of played the uh, the good soldier there. But now the agent coming out and saying essentially that, you know, my client wants a shot. We want to play some NHL games. This logjam needs to come to an end. And while confirming that there was no formal trade request being made, he did say at some point a decision has to be made because Hanela is going to stagnate and go backwards. I don't think it's backwards yet, but definitely frustration has set in and that's never a good sign yikes so no trade request yet but this is basically the first step before a trade request becomes official i've got some thoughts tice but i'm intrigued to see what you have to say about this situation and if it mirrors what my sentiment is so what were your thoughts when you saw billy hanala's agent come out and say somebody's got to move here it's either my client or somebody on the roster but trades need to be made because somebody is pissed off about not getting playing time yeah, I mean, and I, I, this situation is getting hairier and hairier by the day. And th- these comments really cause concern for me because if this does happen and a trade is made to bring Hanola up, what does that do to the, the locker room on the inside when he moves up and they lose one of their friends, one of their teammates, one of their buddies because he... A demand- vet too, right? Yeah, exactly. And just because you demanded that I got, not you personally, but your agent... Re- requested that a player get moved so that you can get playing time and that's part of the problem with this draft and develop scheme that the jets have been running the past couple years it's great to draft and develop your guys but you've got to play them at some point 
you can draft and develop all you want, but if they're sitting in the AHL, not not doing anything for your NHL club, then what good are they? And you're seeing the Jets in a point right now where their D is struggling, power play struggling, zone exits are struggling. One of Hanola's biggest strengths is his puck moving and his offensive zone play. I don't see why he shouldn't be up there. And if he's not going to be up there, then you got to move him because his value is not going up right now. He could do as good as he wants in the AHL. Teams are going to look at a guy and be like, what's up with your first round pick that you haven't played in four, in four years? And then to, and how you say that you want to develop him in the AHL. Meanwhile, not to pick on a guy, but Logan Stanley, also a first rounder. What it really has he shown that Hanola, that, that, shows that he should be in the line of above Hanola. I mean, he's got the broken foot right now, but I just don't, I, it's really going to be interesting to see how this plays out, but man, it's, it's kind of trouble right now with involving Billy right now. Yeah. So I, I guess th- there's a few different things for me on this. The, the first, I, I gotta be honest. My first thought when, when this came out was I kind of said, good for him. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, he's, he's got, he's got some money to make, like just, just, like taking the Jets out of the equation here, he just wants a fair shot, right? And I, I think he, if you go back to training camp, he outperformed both Sandberg and and Stan. Like if you're going just based off performance, I, I think he earned a chance to get a handful of games in with a big club. It was just, you know, let's face it, Logan Stanley's waiver wire exempt contract that was the main decision between Billy Hainala going down and, and somebody else on the roster uh, not taking his place. So I, I was kind of like, yeah, you know what? He's got a finite chance to, to play professional hockey at the NHL level. He's got very little time to try and, and make some dough. And I think he's proven everything he can at the AHL level. You know, he didn't make a trade request, but it's kind of like, yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm not happy and we got to do something about this. If, if you don't want to play me, please find me somebody else that will. So I, I, I kind of dug that from his side. It wasn't, it wasn't, you know, let's be a problem, but I, it's time for me to start making my voice heard a little bit there. So I, I kind of dug that from his side. But I, I'm kind of in the same ballpark as you, Tice. You know, this this does still go back to this past offseason where this is, this is all kind of this whole mess, if you want to call it. I don't think it's a mess necessarily. But this whole is, this whole situation is entirely Kevin Cheveldayoff's doing. I mean, you you knew this, you knew this was going to happen three months ago where you had eight to nine NHL caliber ready defensemen and, and people are going to get pissed off that they're not playing. And you already lost Johnny Kovacevic for, for nothing on waivers. So, I mean, there's one asset, not, not, not that he gets you back a second round pick or anything like that, but you already lose one player, a young player, right shot defenseman for nothing. And now you potentially run the risk of having a malcontent prospect and his leverage and his, profile league-wide start to go down the drain a little bit because he's unhappy with the situation that he's been put in here. So I I, on, I could understand Billy Hainel's side in all this. I, I I think a lot of people would agree that he's not the the bad guy in this in this situation. It's just when you have eight players scrambling and vying for six spots, there's going to be people that are unhappy about this. And I I do believe now is the time for the Winnipeg Jets to kind of make an ultimatum decision on, on, on Billy Hanela and, and what you think he is, what he's going to be all that. Because with this group of defensemen right now, if you think he is the eighth or ninth best D man in your organization, then it's time to move on from him. You need help up front. 
you need a high-end guy on the back end, right? Like there, there's teams out there, and and I mean, we can figure out what the package is, all that. There's teams out there that right now would trade for Billy Hanel and put him in their top six, no questions asked. And they'd give up an asset, a pretty desirable one to do that. So if if you truly believe, if you're Jets management, that this guy is not better than Sandberg, Stanley, hell, Capabianco, I mean, now would be the time to to make do and, and part ways and, and get something back from him. Because the longer this plays out, the more his worth is going to go down in the trade market. So I, it just, to me, it doesn't do the team and the player any good. If you don't think he's good enough, then then cut bait and, you know what, try to make the best out of the situation that you find yourself in right now. But if you do think he can help your team right now and get somebody in and and he can be a power play two tool. He can help with your team's exits out of your own zone, which you are struggling with right now. Then I, I, Hey, be aggressive. Don't be afraid. Go out there and make a move, right? Like do something. But to me, inactivity is the cardinal sin that can hurt this club right now in this situation. Doing nothing. I think really doesn't do anybody any good. It's, it's, I think it's time now that if you're Kevin Chivalry off, if you feel good about Billy, Give the kid a shot. If you don't feel good about him, find another team that thinks they can. But but doing nothing here is going to put this club in a rough, rough spot. And, I mean, this this market is already precarious enough when it comes to guys that want to play here and things like that. And I think letting this linger as the season goes on and on and on, it doesn't do the club any favors here. It's just let's make a decision. Let's stick with it. Let's be aggressive with our decision and let the chips fall where they may. Yeah, no, 100%. And two, one thing, though, with uh, the Jets' D prospects, too, after Hanola, it gets pretty shallow if you're considering that Sandberg's graduated now to the club. After after Villy, you're looking at Declan Chisholm, who I like Declan Chisholm, but uh, it's, it's very, it is just concerning that we're already just over 10 games into the season and the Jets have already lost one defenseman that they've drafted and developed and potentially could be moving a second one who was one of your first round picks it's just- well here and so here's the other thing as as well tice and this kind of goes back to my problem with the offseason as a whole what what's the plan with the blue line like what what's the plan like what what is the overarching vision for kevin Chevaldeoff when he looks at his defense group i i, I get i don't know what it is right like they're, they're obviously not trending towards letting the youth go out there and make mistakes and, and try to find their way and, and see if that goes with them. They're not really, you know, going all in on, on age and experience or anything like that. They're, they're not trying to find some, some high end talent to go out there with. It's just kind of like, let's throw these guys out there and, and see what we got. But I, I don't know. I, I just, I look at what they have out there right now. It's just not going to be good enough. I, I don't think their blue line is good enough compared to some of the teams that, that might be ahead of them. In, in, in the chase for a playoff spot. And, 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 and so to me, it's just down to either you think Vili Hainala can fix this group or he's not good enough and you need to find somebody else that can come in here and provide a, a bit of a boost for the back end. It, it's just, again, to me, doing nothing here and just trying to slow play this and maybe trying to get a second round pick instead of a third round pick. I, like just this, this playing hardball thing to me is not working. I think it's going to backfire on the Jets and... Look, I, I just I think you need to figure out your path, figure out who aligns with that path, and then just be aggressive at executing it. But this 
wishy-washy. Let's just see how things play out. We'll wait till somebody else gets desperate. I don't know. I, I just don't think it's good. It hasn't worked out yet for the Jets. I don't think it's going to work out two weeks, three weeks, four weeks from now either. Yeah, and one last point I'll make on that. I think it's. I think there's some real value in setting the trade market as a team to be making the first trade. You don't want to wait a couple, a couple more weeks and then another trade goes down. And suddenly you're not getting exactly what you thought you would get for, let's say, a Dylan DeMello, and you're taking around later than you wanted originally. I think there's I think there's a lot of value in really setting the market. And I think with the Jets being first place in the division, it's better to make a trade now than when you start slowly descending down the standings if that happens and you're almost forced into making a panic trade where you don't necessarily get the value that you thought you would get at the beginning of the season. It's a good point. It's a good point. Go out there and do something. Whatever it is, just stick to your guns and go out there and do it. I, I can appreciate that more so than, you know, being passive, being hesitant, and uh, let's just see how this plays out. No, go out there and attack. It's, it's, it's difficult enough to try to find high-end talent to play here. If you, if you got him, throw him in there. If you don't think he's that, let's try and find somebody that can do that. It's a shame we got to end on a bit of a bummer there, especially after a big OT win against Montreal, but... That's the way the cookie crumbles when your high-end prospect demands, but not really demands a trade out of town. Demands a spot at the very least at the NHL level. Uh, but we'll see where this goes. We'll see if it plays out. We'll see if we get an answer to that by the time we come back at it for our next episode to kick off next week. But in the meantime, that will do it for today's episode, and that will do it for the week. Let's head into the weekend. Let's have some fun, everybody. But uh, once again, thanks so much for listening to another episode of Skates and Plates right here on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki, with my co-host. I guess we can call you a co-host now with my co-host, CJOB's Tyson Rewicki. We'll get back at it on a Tuesday morning, breaking down the Winnipeg Jets home matchup a Saturday afternoon against the Chicago Blackhawks. And then look ahead to the rest of the schedule upcoming, some big matchups against Dallas and the Calgary Flames on tap. So we'll see what unfolds for the Winnipeg Jets in the days to come. Until then, enjoy your weekend, everybody. Stay safe, have fun out there, and we'll talk to you guys on Tuesday morning. Peace.